0: The Laughter Permitted Podcast and the Season 10 Dopies are brought to you by Ally.
1: Kick back, relax, and unwind.
2: Let's have a good time finding the joy in life. We're smiling so bright, talking and laughing.
0: the crowd noise, Lynn. Welcome to
3: the Season 10 Dopies. I'm Julia Guglia. I'm Lynn Ozowie, and it is time to hand out some laughter-permitted hardware. And keep in mind, there are few honors in life greater than a dopey. Facts. We've got season
0: double number one just around the corner, but before we get there, as is always our tradition, We're going to share some top moments from last season, and I love being reminded of how amazing our guests are, and we're banking that you will too. So, we're coming in hot, party people.
3: The first Dopey Award goes to two-time WNBA champion and two-time Olympic gold medalist, Brianna Stewart. Okay, Stewie Told a story that ranks in the mm. all-time stories we've had. Mm-hmm. So Stewie gets the can I just get a juice box award? Can
0: we just start the interview by
3: talking about
0: Marta deserving a gold medal? Oh Eleven pounds, God. twelve ounces, Anteo, come on.
4: Yeah. It was holy heck. It was crazy. Um so we knew he was big because we do these like gross checkups or whatever, especially when you do IVF and and those type of things. So he was estimating at 9 pounds 11 ounces. And they're like, oh, it can, like, be off by a pound, like, plus or minus or whatever. Um, So the doctors weren't too concerned. They were like, well, we'll still try to do, like, a a natural birth, but – If, for whatever reason, he's struggling to come out because he's so big, then we'll have to do a C-section. So, I'm going to – can I give you guys all the details? Yes, of I think the situation was wild. (laughs) Um, So, we went in on a Monday, and we were supposed to start the induction that night or the next day. And then, basically, she was, like, trying – she was trying for, like – 12 hours maybe yeah and uh-huh. like she just didn't dilate anymore she yeah. was just staying at five centimeters so i'm giving all the details and she's gonna yeah. be like why are you talking about me? <laughs> <laughs> um, her vagina only went exactly. to five centimeters exactly so <laughs> like it was it was kind of crazy because she did the epidural at, like 10 they broke her water at 12 Ugh. She was five centimeters dilated. So then for 12 hours, she was five centimeters dilated. And then all of a sudden it was midnight and they're like, all right, we're going to do a C-section. So she hasn't eaten all day because you get the epidural, you can't eat anymore. And then we go in to do the C-section and it's like, Uh, I don't know like when you get into those rooms. Have you guys been in those OR rooms? properly? right. I had a c-section. I I
0: actually went just like this. I'm I'm very much relating to this right now. This is my first. Wait
4: till you hear our situation. So I have to wait outside. I have the gown thing on like I'm waiting. Uh She's in there getting prepped and whatever. Um, And I hear her. She like throws up. I guess because she was like I don't know the lights and all the things so then I go in and I'm going to sit by her head and her arms are like out wide um and she's like she can't feel she's like she can't feel her arms because of the anesthesia so like they're like moving her arms and she's like closing and opening her fists and whatever um and then You know, there's, like, the the sheet, the curtain. So you can't see. You just only see, like, the stomach is just, like, wrestling. They're just wrestling with the stomach. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening in here? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm trying to, like, comfort her, you know, be with her. At the same time, I'm, like, I'm starting to get a little bit hot. Um, The lights (laughs) are bright. And then all of a sudden, Marta's, like, Marta, with oxygen in her nose, is, like, I can't breathe. I'm not breathing and i'm like you have oxygen like it's it's gonna help you breathe no matter what so she was like stressing out freaking out the moment she was like i'm not breathing i was like i don't feel good <laughs> <laughs> you pass out. You faint. so i don't know why i'm laughing at that <laughs> it's, it's funny now all the things happening right like baby's coming out baby comes out Taylor comes out and it's like yay Taylor comes out Mark's like I'm not breathing I'm like I don't feel good so I go outside I'm like I gotta go outside because I can't fucking can I swear I can't pass out in this (laughs) OR room you know I don't want to hit something (laughs) I don't I don't want to do that (laughs) um so I go out in the hallway and all of a sudden I'm just like I catch myself and I'm like I open my eyes and I'm like what just happened so i passed out in the chair outside i'm waking up to a smell of like alcohol the nurse put an alcohol like right in front of my n- my nose and i'm looking at her like what just happened like literally what just- <laughs> she had to wake you up with yeah. the alcohol i mean i needed that that quick nap but <laughs> but i was it was a lot <laughs> I was oh like "Hey God!" and That's then I drank so I the juice and she's like you want to go back inside and I was like yeah so I went back inside and then all of a sudden You're I was like your baby juice. your baby is part. 11 pounds 12 ounces and I'm like this is, this is crazy like <laughs> all the things just happened and now I'm back wait Tio <laughs> Tio did Marta start breathing did she get oxygen
2: <laughs> Marta was you breathing. passed
0: out Marta's passed out
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: and Marta. and then she delivers a bowling ball yeah. that, that's bigger than a bowling ball like five bowling balls oh my gosh,
4: oh my gosh. yes Marta was breathing Marta was fine her, numb, her arms were like numb from the anesthesia so like you know afterwards they're like fold your arms across your chest so she was just like Swing it, I'm like this. <laughs> uh, uh, but we, everyone, so, was, everyone was safe, everyone was healthy So uh, we just have a funny story looking back The the nurses and doctors are probably like What is wrong with these two <laughs> tall athletes <laughs> That just can't handle it in here And <laughs> here we are It is
0: one of my all-time favorites Ranks right up there with Mia And I her pants story, of course, if you haven't heard that one, you must go hear it. I just love that she needed a juice box. I could just see her with that little juice box and straw to come to.
3: Yeah, (laughs) the juice box got me in that story.
0: (laughs) Uh, Little Capri Sun with her straw sticking out.
3: Here you go, honey. Uh, Good, so good. Good times, good times. Next up is another New York athlete, NWSL champion and U.S. Women's National Team forward, Lynn Williams. I really enjoy talking with Lynn. And in this clip, she gives perspective on how her career has been a journey. It has been windy. And because of that, Lynn gets the take me down a road that's a little bit
0: windy award.
2: I think that my career in general, I have taken the back roads to get here. Um, um, I- The I, road less traveled. The road less traveled. You know, I, it's so funny, like I'll go into camp and people will talk about like, well, I played for region one and I played for region four. And I, I'm like, I played for zero region because I didn't do all of that stuff. <laughs> right. And I wasn't, I was recruited to one school. And I mean, I was Peppered drafted, them. but like I had to fight to get onto that. And then I just felt like my whole career, no matter what it is, it's been a fight um and but i also feel like i've had a lot of success and for some reason sometimes when i am even like scoring and doing great people are still doubting me and so i i think that and i and then my whole career is like riddled with injuries and last year was like a huge one and i'm sure you guys know that the older you get the harder it is to come back from them so yeah. um i just think that you know what i've learned from myself is a, a lot of things i think i'm resilient Mm-hmm. Um, I will always back myself no matter what. And then I think that I've recognized that there's also a life outside of soccer and to mm-hmm. find the balance between soccer and, and you know, life as well. Um, I've been dropped from the national team. I've had to sit out and and find other things that make me Lynn that aren't just soccer during injury. Um, and I think that going into this World Cup and going into – you know, this latter part of my career, that has really helped me, that I just want to enjoy it. I think I play my best soccer when I'm just having fun and then leaning into what makes me great.
0: I loved that convo with Lynn because it's a great reminder to kids and non-kids alike. The path may seem murky, windy, lonely, and all you gotta do is sing a little Zach Bryan and all is good. Another consistent theme on our podcast, besides bad singing, is that fun and success
3: can coexist. Yeah, North Carolina State cross-country head coach Lori Hennis proves just that. We had a whole conversation with her about it. NC State has won three straight national titles. And as you'll hear in this clip, Lori is intentional when it comes to the culture she's built in her program. that Lori gets the all we do is win 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 and have fun no matter what award (laughs) one of
0: the reasons I don't know if Lynn already told you this but one of the reasons we um, wanted to get you on the pod is a friend of ours who's been on the pod many times Dr. Colleen Hacker sent us this article in the New York Times on your program and the cross-country success you've had and Lynn and I were like oh my gosh (laughs) this is everything we've been looking for and what we subscribe to because as you know well maybe don't know I think you're a dying breed in athletics and in especially in youth sports where you just don't find this combination of joy especially in a sport that's so about the grind and your ability to merge joy with that and then find success and prove that it's not mutually exclusive. So what's the origin story of combining
5: joy with the grind? Well, I think this is a a, a sport that really is a difficult sport, right? You know, we always say in the recruiting process or when we're talking to people, you know, and I did, you play soccer, you play basketball, you don't play cross country, you know? So it really is, um, it can be very individual, um, but I've found over the years that when you I mean, the individual goals are important, but when you take that out of it and the team part becomes much bigger, uh, I think it's much easier to find that joy. And people ask like, is it fun to win a national title? Yeah. Uh, Yes. But I think we've been able to be so successful because we're having fun before that. That's why we're winning. Yeah. You know, we really don't talk about the results a whole lot. I think people don't believe that sometimes. We, we really focus on the process and finding joy in that process. And we look for people in the recruiting process that have fun working hard because it isn't an easy sport. Oh, it, you know, okay. we don't um, – I know sometimes, like, some that article, I've had, like, colleagues in the coaching profession say, it sounds like all you guys do is have fun and eat cookies. And, like, <laughs> clearly that's not true. We, we do have fun and eat cookies. But we – we work really hard. And so I, I think it, I've gotten better over the years at finding people in the recruiting process that like, mm. this is their joy, you know, being with their best mm. friends, working really, really hard for something. Um, mm. And that, I think that makes practice so fun. My, one of my main goals is for practice to be the best part of their day. Like that oh, all the wow. athletes on the team can't wait to get to practice, you know, that that's like, yeah. that they're going through class and, and they're like, I can't wait to go see my best friends and do this thing that I love.
3: I just love talking with coaches. They're so thoughtful. They put so much thought into what they do. And our next award winner is also in that category. It's ultramarathoner Courtney Dewalter, who the universe actually sent our way. And Courtney is literally in a class by
0: herself in the ultramarathon world. She won. Get this, three 100 mile, 100, yes, I said 100, mile races in the span of 10 weeks last summer. And I don't know if y'all have heard of the Pain Cave, but Courtney spends a crazy amount of time there. Many people try it and avoid it, but Courtney, she not only visits the cave, she somehow makes it homey and, dare I say, enjoyable. And for this, Courtney receives the Making Pain Your Party Award
6: originally when I was starting out trying these long races the pain cave for me was something I was trying to push away as far as possible like don't arrive at the pain cave mm-hmm. if you do stay outside of it yeah. as long as you can <laughs> and if you're forced into it then just survive like right be make it out of it eventually um And that was fine. Like, I think a visual to help us in those hard moments can be great, but I was finding that that visual didn't feel productive and it felt like a fear visual instead of like, uh, I don't know, embracing uh, opportunity and remembering that I'm choosing to do these crazy Mm -hmm. things. So why not like accept the whole package um, so then, yeah, it was just like changing the story for myself. Nothing changed about what I was doing, mm-hmm. except that now when I got to the entrance, it was like a party, like stepping in full full on, put on my hard hat, grab my chisel, and then try and make a pile of rubble back there um, so that it felt like productive suffering.
0: Wow. Do you actually... Visualize that, like you chipping away at that pain cave as you're in it?
6: Yeah, I'm super visual. So I visualize it. I can see it in my head. And it's the same cave every time that I'm making bigger. So I'm going way back into the back corners now. It's gotten fairly large. That feels kind of cool too. Like The experiences from years of doing these are helping me just learn more about what's possible but I honestly I don't know what what's back there if I keep going like am I gonna like pop out somewhere eventually (laughs) or like will I just you're gonna grow another head you might (laughs) (laughs) will I flat out refuse to grab the chisel again I don't know like something will eventually happen where the cave will like have its end but that's what I'm curious about Uh, continuing to push towards
0: that clip alone, Lynn, blows my mind. When I heard it again, I was like, oh my gosh. Ah, she's another one who subscribes to fun and joy being drivers of her career and has had great success because of that. Our next award goes to Paralympian rock star, Women's Sports Foundation president, awesome human scout Bassett, who has an incredible story if you
3: haven't heard her podcast. Scout shares what it was like the first time she put on a prosthetic running leg, which she had been reluctant to do. And for that, Scout gets the get out of your comfort zone award.
0: Once you once you you put that on, mm-hmm. how did that transform your outlook in, in terms of running and I know in life? Well,
7: You know, I don't know if you've ever had an experience where you you've tried something or you do something for the first time. And it's sort of that like aha moment, right, as Oprah would call it, or, you know, something, a switch goes off. And for me, that's what running was. The first time I ever had a running leg and I went out and ran, I felt free and unlimited, I think. The, the reason why I really fell in love with it though was that it was the first time that I felt like I could do something and I didn't feel like somebody was holding me down as a result mm. of it, you know? Um, whereas like when I had done sports in my everyday prosthetic, I really felt limited and held back because an everyday prosthetic just isn't made to be athletic, isn't made to like do quick movements or um, certainly not for speed. And with running, I just felt like, I could go as fast as I wanted. And um, anyways, it was just an incredible feeling. And at the time, I just wanted to do it for fun. I didn't think at all, oh, I want to be an athlete or or anything like that. But it was the most amazing um, feeling. And uh, I just said, whatever I do in my life, I just want to be able to continue to run. And that's kind of how it started. The Scout episode I re-listened to recently
0: when she's talking about going back to her orphanage in China and what that meant to her life and how it changed her life. Uh, That is an episode you should listen to if you haven't because Scout is amazing. Her perspective and what she talked about really was a powerful moment. I I loved
3: that episode. Yeah, for sure. And something we enjoy doing at the end of every year now, it's become a tradition, is we close out years with Dr. Colleen Hacker. And it wouldn't be a complete dopeies without an award for Flash. So again, like Scouts, like all of these really, that episode is worth a listen because we did something a little different. We celebrated wins together. And interestingly enough, that forced Julie to talk about herself.
0: (laughs) Talk about getting out of my comfort zone. And as we know, Flash never disappoints. And she gets the lawn bowling is my bag,
1: baby, award. More than three decades ago, I started a requirement because I love stuff like this, but I require myself, cause I love this to, to try one new physical activity every year of my life. Oh yeah. And I've done that, telling me that. I've done that for almost four years now. So many, <laughs> many decades. <laughs> and so this was another, uh, see what I'm saying about consistency? It's that. Mm-hmm. So, mm. so I'm, I have not, I have not missed. Um, and, it, and it can, it's just a wide, a wide well, range of things. Wait. And then um, wait, what, wait,
0: because, t- wait, 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 wait. Tio, Tio.
1: What is the new
0: physical activity?
1: Well, I don't know if it'll seem underwhelming, but I do want to say, maybe being a little bit defensive when you hear what it was, when I do new physical activities, I, I don't I I really invest. I really invest. Like one, one couple years ago, my new activity was cricket, and I hired <laughs> I hired a former um Indian national cricket player. If you know anything about India and cricket, these guys are one of the best, some of the best in the world. So I drove to Seattle. Like I take lessons, you know, curling one year, I went to Seattle curling club and it was a three day clinic. So I don't just do curling for the afternoon or try basketball or whatever. Like I, so I learned lawn bowling this year in July at Tacoma Lawn Bowling, not bocce, but lawn bowling. Oh, so, so good. It was, it was like two or three weekends and then I played in a tournament. Then I played in a tournament.
3: No way. Yeah.
1: So when I invest, I really really invest. Like I get taught how to do it. I think I think it's important to always have a beginner's mindset. I think it's a good reminder mm. to not yeah. know how to do something and to learn how to do it and remember what that feels like. I just think it, I think it I think it changes. What people do is, I'm good at it, let's do it. Let's do it again. Let's do yeah. it tomorrow. We just keep doing what we're good at. and we mm. only draw joy if we're good. I draw joy from learning and expanding. I like being good, don't get me wrong. I like being good, I like getting better. I do like winning. All my friends will tell you I like winning, but I like growing and learning most. Okay, Mm. I
0: honor and respect that. But of course my first question is, where did you end up in the long bowling tournament? How did you do? And that's my problem.
1: Thank you for asking. Let's just say it this way. If you won, you won a t-shirt and I didn't (laughs) buy my lawn bowling t-shirt.
3: You did it? You did or did it? Did not.
1: You won it? You won it. You were not going to tell us that you won it? Now that that the cat's out of the bag, let me just own being petty. Colleen um, Flash. It was hacker. doubles. It was doubles. And two of the four people playing were longtime members of the lawn bowling club. So and I'm you, like oh. you crushed their soul. You like a pebble into the dust. And of and I'm not kidding. I want to be someone who doesn't know that part of the story, but I have not ah. yet. <laughs> I have not You were yet. not gonna even tell us that? I would have led with that. That is the no. difference.
0: I would have been like, I am awesome. Listen to this story. I don't know that you would have, Jules. I don't know that I you was, would have. If, just, and you really have. if I had just taken a lawn bowling and then I go crush two members, oh, she wasn't gonna tell us. Flash is the goat. Speaking of which, the goatiest of goats, Billy Jean King. We spoke with Billy for the second time and it's always such a joy and
3: honor to spend time with her. Billy continues to be a tireless advocate for women's sports. So she gets the Can't Stop, Won't Stop award. Billy, I was thinking that you might be the most approachable icon ever mm-hmm. that you are not afraid to roll up those sleeves get not in the yet. muck how accessible do you make yourself to someone like kendall coin or back in the day a julie foudy when you know they're in a fight
8: i think you have to be there 24 7 or else you've got to be available at least i don't know julie you probably can talk on this better than i can well
0: the, and, and you know i was telling uh the Kinger before we were here i said the amazing thing is is when she came to me that day and said, what are you doing about it as players? And prompted me and was the catalyst behind our team going, yeah, what are we doing? Is that you didn't say to me, good fucking luck. It's really hard. (laughs) (laughs) As most icons would be like, good luck, you got this. And then you'd never hear from them again. (laughs) Thumbs up, you good? Right, you were like, Literally, Billy would check in monthly, and
8: it would be like, "I'd be like, Kinger, <laughs> or I no, call I'd her be pushing you. Yeah, what have you done so far? Mm. Have you said yeah. no to anything? Because here's one of the first questions: You have to be willing to to give up something to get something. I said, Are you willing to give up the Olympics? Are you willing oh, to give wow. up the World Championships? What are you willing? Because you have to yeah. have leverage. I oh, said, wow. Do you have anything that has leverage? And those are the two things you gave me right off the bat. We had this debate of,
0: like, when do we get the younger kids on board with us? Remember that? that's number
8: one. Yeah. Okay, number one. Yeah. I (laughs) said, Julie, if you go in and do this, you have to have the next generation of superstars at least. And you want more than just your superstars. And she went, oh, okay. I said, can you get them? That's the main thing I asked you. Can you get them? And you said yes. And so, what happened in your meeting? So we
0: we scheduled a conference call with all the parents of these young kids that we knew were on the youth national teams, outside of U.S. Soccer, knowing we were doing this, and we told them what they were doing, and we asked them. Not in the beginning, we asked them at the very end, right before an Olympics, can you stand with us? And so, when we went into negotiate, because
3: if if they. If you didn't go to the
8: Olympics, who's going to go? Oh, this they already, next group. But they think they've already got the next group in their head. Yeah. Because yeah. they think these guys are old. Yeah. They don't need them. We'll get, oh, fine. You go ahead. We'll take the next group. And what happened?
0: So U.S. Soccer said when we're negotiating with them, well, fine, we'll just take the under-23s. And we go, Mia, <laughs> me, Ham, and I were sitting across the table, and we go, nope, we've got the 23s. They're with us. Okay, fine. We'll take the twenty ones. We go. Nope. We've got them too. <laughs> okay. We'll take the nineteens. Nope. We got them too. You can go to the seventeens. We haven't hit them yet. Kinger,
8: right I'm there. You, it's major.
0: You had them. You.
8: They. Yeah. What did they do? But they, they, again, they, like they you're, you were white?
0: accessible. You, you were there. You're in the trenches, like doing the work. I love that woman so much. I love her. I love her so much. She, she said in this, in this episode as well something that she's told me often remember don't settle for the crumbs she used to always say to me get the cake get the icing and you get the cherry on top too do not settle for the crumbs we women settle too often for the crumbs and so a great reminder to end our dopies with and that wraps up season 10 dopies we launch season 11 on March 6th. Put it in your calendars and what better way to get ready for season 11 than to go back and listen to past seasons. And while you're there, why not share an
3: episode with a friend or 500 to keep the dope village blooming? We'd very much appreciate that. And by the way, the dopey for the best podcast audience goes to, drumroll, please, <laughs> the dope village. The dope village. Of course it does. Can't wait to hang with you all
0: again. And remember, as always, kids, singing it with us. Laughter, laughter permitted.
6: The experiences from years of doing these are helping me just learn more about what's possible.